Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Whenever you're ready, my man. Let me clear my throat, bitch. Leave that part in, Craig. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, I should. I I tried to do it off mic. All right, here we go. Count me in. Three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? We're welcoming you. What? We're welcoming you back to another Knife Talk podcast. I'm out for two weeks and I fuck it all up. This is Knife Talk podcast, everybody. I'm Marco Malmasi. I'm normally here with Craig Lockwood, but he is out for the week, um, which is fair. I've been off for a couple weeks, but I'm always here with Mr. Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. Um, We're here to keep you company in the shop. We're here to answer your questions, troubleshoot, uh, you know. We're, we're here to talk knives and p- try to be as helpful as possible. Uh, it sounds like we get, uh, the last week's episode was actually uh, had some funny things happen, so I can't wait to get caught up on that. Um, and yeah, but that's it. We're here. We're here to have a good time and keep you company. Really, that's the biggest thing. Jeff, how's the last week been? Last week has been good. I'd be remiss to say we're sad that Craig isn't here. It seems like Knife Talk has turned into a round robin event, which is fine. We'll get right. we'll get him back. He uh, was very sorry he couldn't make it. He forgot a plug. Uh, I guess he forgot a wire, which is you know happens. He's on the he's on the move. But uh, we did have a good episode last week, and um, we had a lot of really kind of funny things happen last week. And then there's uh, the listeners kind of uh, referred back to it. Uh, this week was good because, um, well, you know what? I haven't heard, we haven't heard from you in two weeks. You were, I want to hear about, nobody gives a shit about what I did. I want to hear about how is Winter Strong. Tell everybody what Winter Strong was and yep. is and tell us all about it. Yeah, Winter Strong was great. So, Winter Strong is this event um, put on by a gentleman named Bert Soren. Uh, his company is Sornex and they build um, weight room equipment for weight training and strength training conditioning um they outfit some of the top collegiate teams as well as nfl teams and and their entire like weight rooms and all that kind of stuff with how they strength train and condition and so uh growing up he was always an athlete and an outdoorsman and he has over his lifetime made great connections with people at the highest levels on either side. Um, but they are very, they have a tendency to be very separate, um, where for him, it was always, always, both sides were always part of his life. So this event is to bring outdoors people together with basically indoors people who are, right. <laughs> uh, a- athletes or not necessarily outdoor people. And so they, they get to kind of, kind of cross pollinate where the, like the strength and conditioning, uh, People and athletes learn to do outdoor stuff, shooting, archery, outdoor skills, trapping, uh, stuff like that. And then the outdoors people get to learn more about strength training, conditioning, and stuff like that so they can be better athletes when they're out in the field um, and, you know, rucking back in a mile and a half with fucking half an elk on their back. Mm. So... 
so they over the last i think jason knight was the first person they brought in to do some forging in their second year so this year was their sixth year um and ever since jason did that first year whatever five years ago um they've had forgers come in and do uh, forging demonstrations and so I was there this year with Jason and we were forging and uh, unfortunately the um, the setup was very limited so we're mostly doing demonstrating demonstration work right and um, we did like we got a couple people in but there's like 200 people that come to this event and, you know everybody wants to get in get their hands dirty or at least most people want to get in get their hands dirty hit some hot steel and it just Unfortunately, it wasn't set up for that, but um, there were other great makers there. Lucas O'Hare of Grizzly Forge. Uh, we had Amy uh, from, oh gosh, Wild, Wild, Wildcraft. No, not Wildcraft. Um, gosh, now I feel like a jerk. A Don't Amy. worry about it. She ain't listening to this. Don't worry She's about that. listening. God She's damn it. Listening. Uh, Warlander uh, Enterprises, her Instagram. Amy Valerios. She's a great maker. She's doing awesome work. Uh, very outdoorsy person who also makes knives. Um, I'm trying to think who else was there. I know I'm forgetting somebody else. I feel bad. There are a couple guys that were newer. Uh, Brett Nolan, who's a, a solid listener of the podcast. Um, he was there. So it was good to see him. He and I did a little bit of side-by-side -side forging um, late in the evening on the second night. But overall, it's a great event. Um, my brother and sister actually ended up coming and uh, oh, nice. being there. And it's been like the first time that the three of us have been together in like six years or something wow. like that. You know, I see, I see my sister somewhat often, at least once a year. Uh, but my brother's been down in Pensacola and... Um, I, I haven't seen him, yeah, probably like in five or six years. Wow. Oh, you know what? Last time I saw him was when I moved back to Washington. Uh, he he was here, and we overlapped for just a couple weeks, and then they moved down to Pensacola like two <laughs> weeks later. Um, so that was the last time I saw my brother, which was about four years ago. So anyways, it was it was a fun little family reunion. Uh, turns out my, uh, my sister's quite the shot um, with a uh, rifle and pistols. So don't fuck around. She'll fucking blow your head up. <laughs> um, uh, Scott here. <laughs> All of a sudden you're threatening us with her live keys. <laughs> don't uh, worry. You don't worry. Your hands no, up. Yeah, no, no, no. I had yeah. a friend. Uh, I think I, I don't know if a friend of mine uh, bumped into you. His name's uh, Tyler Minton. He's a UFC uh, a nutritionist. He's a, he's a okay. former UFC fighter. And he I know he was down there. Oh, he's nice. He's a buddy. I guess he didn't say hello. I I don't know. I met a lot of people, and we might have uh, <clears throat> ran into each other and chatted, but um, I don't recall that coming up. Um, but anyways, um, so Tyler, if we did meet, uh, he ain't listening sure to this. Don't worry about that. He ain't listening. <laughs> Melee ain't listening to this. Trust me. It, yeah, yeah. So it, other. Anyways, it was a good event. Um, the first year I did it was a couple of years ago. Uh, Neil invited me to come and, and do the event. Uh, and he actually invited me to come the year before that, but timing-wise, it just didn't work. It was too last second. Uh, but last time I was there, I didn't do anything but the forging. I, f I felt very like out of my element <laughs> and, and kind of... Um, kind of... Uh, it's like shy and uncomfortable. And so <laughs> I just stuck around the forge and just forged the whole time. Uh, but this time I went and did some of the other events and some, and so I got to do archery and I shot pistol and rifle for the first time since I was like, honestly, since I was a teenager. Um, but I forgot how much I love archery. Archery is a lot of fun. Um, and 
Yeah, yeah, it was a really good event. And it was really great to get the time, um, the time with my brother and sister. Because again, I, I, I'm fortunate. We're super close, um, and um, and we we just don't see each other enough, and and get to have that quality family time. Um, so after that, I got back. Oh, I finished the knife. I finished a giant integral. I actually just posted about it yesterday. Uh, integral guard fillet slash slicing knife it's wow. like a big slicing knife um for like brisket and other large boneless meats and stuff like that um as well as with the thinness and flexibility that it can be a really great fillet knife as well but it's 11 and a half inch piece mama um, mia within yeah mama mia it's uh it's a big one and uh it's got an integral guard on it it's all made out of damascus it's like a rapier yeah, it's, it's almost a it's it's a fencing sword. It's almost a short sword. I think to technically to be considered a short sword, it needs to be like another five or six inches longer. All right, well, there you go. Um, but anyways, uh, it ended up coming together really nicely, and I brought that to actually like show to kind of show some of my work because otherwise, you know, you're just there hitting on metal, and that's cool and all, but it's just rough forged profiles and stuff like that, right? So I finished that piece to get that there, and then. Since I've been back, I've just been working on this uh, Bob Loveless replica. <laughs> um, so I was I was fortunate enough to be gifted a knife, uh, a Bob Loveless knife, uh, to start my son's knife collecting uh, knife collection. Wow, uh, is what my friend said. He's like, "Here, have this to start your son's knife collection." And so, as a thank you, I've been meaning to and needing to make this knife as. Uh, this replica as a thank you and a kind of a form of repayment. And it's forged out of stainless mosaic that I worked on and made with Will Brigham when I was down visiting him down in California. And, um, and <laughs> I'm so dumb because I got things out of order and I, I heat treated and hardened the knife before drilling holes. Cause it's a full tang Bob Loveless style is a full tang knife. Usually it's got at least a couple of rivets in it and then a, a spot for a lanyard. And I didn't drill any of those holes. And so, um, so I talked to Will about it. I had some ideas of what I could do is either I was going to reheat treat the damn thing, or I was going to figure out how to drill it. And, um, after talking with Will, he kind of reassured me that drilling it is possible. You just have to get the right bits. And so, I actually went over to Lowe's and they have those like carbide tipped drill bits for most, most of them are actually for like stone and tile and glass. And some of them are good for concrete. And so, or sorry for hard steel. And so I got some of those and they're pretty cheap. Like each bit was maybe six or less dollars. Um, but I basically blew one up every time I drew a hole, drilled a right. hole. So I, I started with, and I did step, I stepped up. So I started with eighth inch holes and then I stepped it up to three sixteenths cause I'm going to do the quarter inch head Corby bolts on the handle. And then, um, and then the, the lanyard hole is a quarter inch hole. So I went eighth inch three sixteenths and then quarter inch. And each, each time I drilled a hole, I needed a brand new bit because while they were able to do the job, they're, Work they're not hardening. meant to be doing that that hard right. <laughs> and i think if i also had a nicer setup like i was just doing it with the piece of shit bench top like central machine machine drill press that i have at the shop because my big drill press motor died so i gotta get that rebuilt or replaced um but i got the holes in so i'm psyched about that um otherwise uh yeah that's what I've been working on. I use my my uh, this jig that I've designed that I'm excited to try to get 
manufactured or put together and sent out or like, uh, uh, I think I've mentioned it, but it's a jig to help find center lines on things. And so I used that to get all the lines dialed in on this piece. And uh, it's been really nice to have those reference lines as I'm working on this thing, because it's a full integral, which means the blade, the guard and the tang are all forged from one solid piece of steel. Um, and so making sure the lines flow through from through that guard from the tang to the blade and everything is super important to have that dialed in and, um, and everything's looking pretty good. So that's where I'm at shop wise, uh, shops a damn mess, but that's always a kind of constant state of things. So anyways, that's what the last couple of weeks have looked like for me. I tell you, you were talking about drilling holes. One yeah. thing we're constantly having to, not constantly, but every so often you have to wallow, we have to wallow out a stainless steel hole that's mm. been heat treated. Sure. And I've been using, I've been getting uh, like deburring, uh, burring to, bur, burrs, like for a die grinder. Like oh yeah, sure. Really, and the tapered ones, if you stick one in a drill, in a drill press, it, mm. it eats the shit out of some hardened stainless steel. I mean, really? it's like, okay. oh, dude, you gotta, if, you, if it's tapered, if, especially if you just have to open a hole up. Yeah. Like if, you know, maybe who knows, maybe, you, you know, something was off and it's just, it's a little too tight and you want to make sure you're not fighting the Corbys when you're gluing everything up. Right. You stick it in a, in a drill bit and I'm amazed at how well those do, especially in a drill bit because they're not going as quickly as a, they're not going as quickly as a die grinder is. So you're getting right. a lot more torque and it opens up holes a stainless hardened stainless steel really really easy yeah yeah using those brazed carbide tip drill bits uh really saved my ass because honestly the only other option would have been to uh to put the knife back through the heat treat so i'd have to like renormalize the blade fortunately it was like it's at a dimension where i could do that um but i didn't want to have to do that because that's going to add a bunch more time um, right. to what has already been a, a long long delayed project and hmm. so uh yeah those carb brazed carbide tip drill bits really save the fucking day for sure well if you're heat treating guys for, me, for sure if you're heat treating like Mareco does use your head Use an even heat. Even heat are the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. Tap control, solid state drive, turn and burn, whatever you need. Go get yourself an even heat. Stop playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, for me, it was a weird week. It was only a weird week because we had I, the past you know couple of years. I've been really trying to dial in the business end and really focus on looking at numbers and looking at data and really kind of seeing what things are what's happening really. So every morning I wake up and I go to our Squarespace and I look at the analytics and and I'm always kind of you know looking month to month, year to year, how we're doing this year versus last year, and it, it's it's good to kind of see if we're going in the right direction or not. And one of the things I've noticed is, is I can tell where if I can tell if I post something on the stories and there's a direct link, I can tell how many people are going to the website from that. Like I can tell where they're coming from. I can tell mm. what's working, what's not working. When the newsletters drop, I can tell how many people are going to the website. I can see what they're looking at. So it's, it's a great, it's great to be able to kind of see. And one of the things that we have that is kind of, you know, it, 
we put it up years ago as Tony wanted to put on some of my watercolors and we call it the, there's this tab on the website called, uh, called blueprints. And it's all the drawings I've done over the years of the templates we've done and mm. there's measurements and there's drawings and there's, you know, all this bullshit. And I'm starting to notice that I'll see these flags that I don't recognize, like, like countries flags that I don't recognize off the, be- off the beaten path. And they're always, it turns out, India, Afghanistan, Pakistan, China, Russia. Those are like those, and those are those that they're they're going straight to the blueprints. Oh, those, interesting. Those those people are going straight to the blueprints. <laughs> they're not ordering anything. They're not sending messages saying I'm interested in anything. They'll I don't know. They'll maybe they'll Google blueprints and then my maybe that comes up. But I've noticed that, that it's just like, oh my god, I'm just being stoned. I mean, it's clear that I'm just being stolen from. So, we, I made a, I'm, I was like, God, every morning I'm just like, what is this? What is it? Going straight to blueprints, nothing else. Like, I can tell, like, if somebody from Utah, you know, is like going through the website and just kind of going one to the next, and you know, you can right. see that they've you know been you know like noodling around. But like every one of them, it's always like this weird country, and they're only going to the new blueprints, and then they're fucking off. And I'm just, and I had to, I had to pull, we had to pull a plug on the blueprints. I'm just, I said, mm. I said to, this morning, I, I just sent a message to, to uh, you know our group chat. I said, look, it looks great and all, but the only people who are using it are people who are probably looking for designs. So yeah. that was. Um, that was a weird, you know, that was a weird reckoning that we just kind of made the decision. But this is like looking at, you know, analytics has been really, really important um, for us in general in terms of Instagram, in terms of Facebook, in terms of the website. So it's been one of those things that I've really been um, very focused on. Yeah, that sounds like some Google image search shit that's happening there. Yeah, that's it. They're just like Google image and they see something they like and and it takes them straight to the page. Right, exactly. Because they're not like, yeah, exactly. So we we close that page down because it wasn't doing us any good except for all of a sudden, all of a sudden I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. You know, so uh, we did that. And then uh, one of the interesting things that we were talking about last week with Craig, Craig and I were talking about this, was the concept of self-sabotage. You know, we talk about knife making sometimes we talk about business we get a lot of questions in regards to you know how do i become full-time or how do i become you know i'm part-time i want to be full-time and we, we we hear all this stuff but there's also the whole idea of what's holding us back from happiness in regards to the mm. direction we want to go in as knife makers or as business people and we started talking last week about self-sabotage do you i mean you have not what's your thoughts on what self-sabotage is I mean, to me, <laughs> if I'm thinking about myself, I think self-sabotage really is kind of like, I, I think it's un- I, I think it's typically an unconscious effort. You, right. I don't think you're doing it on purpose, but it happens. And it happens to me like, a lot. And I think a big part of that um, might be like some weird sense of like, um, like I don't, deserve like not like not deserving uh desire and interest in my work or like i'm like a fraud or something like that um or or just like honestly like i'm a i'm a maker but i'm not really a self-driven self-motivated um business person really um i i'm full-on adhd like shiny things grab my attention 
all the time and it's really difficult to stay on track and to be successful in this as a business you really got to have a, a solid system in place and i haven't over the last 11 years of doing this work on my own as malmasi fire arts i have i still have yet to put together a system to kind of keep myself in check and on track for what i'm hoping to do and all like a lot of that comes down to very simple forms of organization and goal setting of what you hope to accomplish even in the next month or a couple weeks to the next couple years and all that kind of stuff and i just uh i, I think for me personally i I, I, I constantly feel like even though I'm doing the work I want to be doing at the same time, I feel like I'm not doing what I want to be doing. And, and I self-sabotage my way in, in the way that I, I, I distract myself or allow myself to get distracted to do some stupid, like fucking going down an Instagram rabbit hole or getting cold, totally distracted on some other side project that is a lot more interesting to me, but not necessarily something that's going to sell right away or something that I'm even going to get paid for at all. It's just for my own personal interest when I actually have shit to do and bills to pay and, and, and products to actually make, like I have work in front of me. Um, and so it's, it's, Honestly, I think it's a, for me, it's a lack of mental discipline um, mm. in doing what needs to be done rather than doing what I sh uh, want to be doing, I guess. It's hard. And when we were talking about it last week, I thought it was a good topic to talk about because I feel as though, you know, we talk about the how to make a knife. We talk about how to sell a knife, but we don't talk about inner motivation and the things. Sure. I mean, I, you, what you said is 100% right. As far as I'm concerned, self-sacrifice is one of the things. You're your own worst enemy or you're doing things to, uh, I personally think that it's a fear of success. And sure. I, um, yeah. I think that it's little things that, um, a lot of it is making excuses for things. And I'm, and I'm not, obviously I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about every, you know, what everybody, sure. what it would be, including me too. And I think that that whole, I think it's fascinating. And I was really interested to what the listeners had to say. And I want you to keep, if you guys are listening and you're listening to you say, I have, you know, uh, examples of self-sabotage, go to knife talk podcast on Instagram and, and send it in. But it was an interesting conversation because when we were talking about it, you know, that's something that, you know, you can do motivational speaking and you can listen and you can read the fucking posters on people's, you know, in their bathrooms about like, you know, all the things are motivated. But the hardest part, the hardest part that I think a lot of people have is it's what you want to accomplish. And, and, it, and it's a, this fear of success. I think it's this fear of success. Um, for me, I battle with uh, the idea of being, I'm a little bit, because I... I have employees and I have a, you know, we have payroll to make and we have bills we have to pay and we have, you know, items we have to have done. I do have to balance between being cheap with things and being, is being cheap about certain things, is that something that is uh, worth my time or not? Like I think about things of what, what is worth my time or not? And I have to be very, I have to be very cutthroat in regards to my time and 
want part of it. It part of it is I wonder, like on abrasives, am I being cheap with these abrasives? So I should be keep work. Can I should be keep using them? But am I'm losing time. If I'm losing time, what's the balance? It's this is, and I and I wonder about self sabotage because I think, am I afraid to grow bigger? Or what are, what are my goals? Mm-hmm. So, I just thought it was interesting. No, well, did. Did you guys pose that question? Did you? Yeah, we posed. We talked. I mean, we talked about it. We talked about. Uh, C- Craig was talking about his the why he you know the the you know very similar to what you were saying and he gets distracted easy and you know make he makes excuses for things and stuff like that. So we we have some uh, uh some uh well we can go into it. You want to? Should we go into what the listeners had to say? Yeah. All right, before we get into that, guys, go to combatabrasives.com, put in the promo code KNIFETALK15 for 15% off all your abrasives. Because no, nothing says self-sabotage <laughs> than forgetting your promo code. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't fuck around. Get your promo code. Don't sabotage yourself. Save that 15% off. Guys, once again, I'd like you to go to Knife Talk Podcast and Instagram. Oh, and then here's a little report. If you're listening to this podcast and you have something you want to tell the podcast, me or Mareko or Craig, send it to Knife Talk. Don't send it to Fader Knives. I, regardless of if it's an audio problem or is this problem, that's problem, or this, I, because it, I just can't. We lose all the DMs. So the Knife Talk podcast is the only D, is the only place to get Knife Talk DMs read and written and you know passed along because it, otherwise it just gets lost. So um, I refer to this as the Knife Talk Tales of Self Sabotage. Um, Ronald Ronald Handmade from Australia. He had, he said self sabotage. I'm a sucker for it. Have you heard of the fraud police? It's a concept where you put yourself down and talk yourself out of doing things because you're quote not a real insert whatever maker blacksmith musician whatever mm. and imagine that you're going to get called out by the mythical fraud police and exposed <laughs> in some way as a fake. I delivered a ukulele this month 13 years after I promised to make it. I had convinced oh, wow. myself multiple times that I couldn't, I wouldn't do a good enough job. Talk about self sabotage. FYI, musician, uh, well, actually, absolutely loved it. So, yeah, that it, what is this? The, we we refer to it as imposter syndrome, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally relate to that. Honestly, this build that I was talking about, this loveless replica, is like, I think it's like three years in the making, um, and I keep putting it off, and I think. It is, again, it, it comes back to self-sabotage. But also, honestly, it, I think part of that self-sabotage is fear of making a mistake. Um, for me, really cripples me and my productivity so that um, that I, it it opens up space, I guess, for, for me to be distracted in doing other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, yeah, that fear, like that the fraud police or whoever are going to show up and be like, you fucked this up, you fucked that up. When really the customer is going to get it and they're going to be psyched, not only because they have it finally, but because they know you and appreciate you and what you do. And and I think that's part of the problem. I've really been overthinking and kind of living in my head with this fear bouncing around in there that it's not going to be good enough and I'm not good enough and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, the imposter syndrome. Um, and it's really held me back in reality is, uh, is, it's just that nothing needs to be perfect. And I think 
I've talked about struggling with perfectionism in the past before, and I, I think that is definitely something that plays in here, is that I've, I'm afraid that it's not going to be perfect, or at least not good enough. And when all I can do at any one moment is the best that I possibly can in that moment. I can't project out to who I'm going to be 10 years down the road or who I was in the past. I, I need to just do the best that I can right now in this moment for who I am at what my skill levels and knowledge and talent have to have to do in front of me and, and just, and be able to move on from there. And, and ideally, hopefully, you know, if there are flaws or imperfections, great, fine, whatever. Those are opportunities to grow for the future. But if you think you're going to try to do things perfect, and this is me kind of talking to past me, if you think you're going to get everything nailed down and perfect, um, it's never going to happen. It's it's just never going to happen. And and because it's never going to happen, if you th- keep playing in, in that realm of fear of, of things not being perfect, you're, you're never going to accomplish anything. And that's way worse than letting something go with a few room a few things and points where there's room for growth and room to develop a number of years ago i remember on this podcast i said something i said somebody said something and i said i don't give a shit nobody cares what i think and i say that a lot ah, nobody cares <laughs> nobody listens and you know what and, and, and every so often you'll say oh yeah i care people care a lot of times the the fun the the th- facts remains or sometimes the things that we think people care about they don't you know, and it is fascinating that I have to, I have to be like, who gives a shit? At the end of the day, if you're doing your best and you're, you're being honest and you're giving your the best out there, that's it. That's it. I tell yeah. you, when I was a kid, I, I lately on full blast, I've been, I've been, I've been trying to think about like all my weird idiosyncrasies and why I get angry about things or why, and I can pinpoint really specific moments in my life that were these traumas that made me behave a certain way. And one of the things I'm going to be talking about on this week's podcast was why I, I don't like criticism. Like, I get angry about it. some Some criticism makes me angry. And I, have a, I found a, a very specific part of my life where I felt as though I knew that I was right, I was being criticized uh, incorrectly, and I was basically being gaslit. So basically, when I was a kid, I'm fucking terrible at school, and nobody could understand why. And my parents were divorced. My pa- my parents did disliked each other intensely, and the school made m- my mother and my father meet with me every Friday morning early, to every week, every fucking Friday on why I'm not doing well. And it was oh, like, nice. and they. Parents were fucking pissed. My dad was furious that he had to be there. My mother didn't want to be there. They were looking at me like, why aren't you, what the fuck's the matter with you? The teachers couldn't figure it out. And and they were saying, you're not paying attention. And I'm like, I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention. And they're telling me, they're telling me every week, every fucking Friday, I got to explain to my friends, why are you coming to school early with your parents every Friday? And it was humiliating and and demoralizing and I fucking hated it. Turns out they finally, when I got to be uh, in ninth grade, they tested me for learning disability. Mm. And they realized that I had dyslexia. And then it was all of a sudden, I was just like, 
I fucking told you. I fucking told you, and none of you believed me, and you made me feel like I was stupid. And right. you, and nobody. I never got an apology. I never got this. Must have mm. been really hard on you. I never got a. Oh, you know, you were right. You were. Oh, you were. You were. You had some sort of a learning disability that was preventing you from. And I fucking was furious. I never once got a. Hey, you know, we're sorry about all those years of humiliation we cost you. It was like fucking swept under the rug. Oh, and it geez. got to the point where because I knew. They, what they were saying was incorrect, and I was being treated poorly, and I was being criticized unfairly. Yeah, that this is the number one reason why I do not. I knew something was wrong, and I knew what they were saying was incorrect, and I knew that I was something was wrong, and I knew it was wrong, and I was. And this is the trigger point of why I don't take criticism. Well, I don't take criticism. Mm. Well, I can take. I can take criticism. But I'm not gonna fucking like it, and, and if I and if I go and if I look for it, that's one thing. But if I get, you know, I don't, I don't take when I feel as though I'm on the right path, regardless of whether or not how long it takes. I re- I don't take it well because because I know that I'm on a I'm on a right path. If I might not be a hundred percent right, but I'm gonna get there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things that like when I was younger, it it made me feel like I'm an idiot. And I'm a moron, and 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 I can't do anything right, and it fucking sucked because I could not feel, I couldn't feel like I was being I was being um, represented correctly, or mm-hmm. somebody was saying, "Hey, man, what's so?" It was like you're a fucking idiot, and it was just like, you know what? Maybe I'm not an idiot. Maybe you're not talking to me correctly. Yeah. So it was like that has become one of those things where now I'm highly skeptical of things that are said to me frankly and in in a in a like a perfect example we went to fucking maker camp and somebody said to me oh maybe uh when i had my knives there oh maybe jay nielsen will look at your knives and i was just like i fucking hope not i hope not (laughs) i fucking hope not i'm not interested i and frankly i never met him perfectly nice guy i'm sure i don't know nothing about him great guy but in my mind i'm thinking how are you gonna fucking handle you know him picking (laughs) something up and looking at it like, are you going to fucking light him up? Here, another example. I'm Years ago, I met your friend uh, Bob Kramer, and I, went to, I got invited to this thing. I, Tony made me bring a knife. I, they were old knives. They weren't great. I mean, old, when I say old, mm. I'm like, I was still, I was pretty new at it. Yep. And he, he said, oh, let me see your knives. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for it. He's like, well, I don't know. He had said before that I look at people's knives, and if I don't like them, I just say, huh, that's interesting. So it's just like, I kind of didn't really want him to see my knives. I kind of didn't even want to see my chef there's a picture of me with fucking holding my knife up him holding his knife up so he's like, oh, come on you know, let me see it. let me see it so he holds it up he looks at it he goes hmm that's interesting i was like oh motherfucker and i was like oh i was God. like i knew i i knew i wasn't ready i knew i wasn't ready and i and i and i was just like i'm certainly not ready for criticism so mm. that's self-sabotage too yeah go. that's i i think that's really unfortunate that all that time ago that you never got even a small like hey Sorry for all the fucking hardship, hard time we gave you. Obviously, it's this and blah, blah, blah. Because I I, I bet, and I obviously, I don't know your parents. But, you know, I, I could see how somebody could honestly find comfort in hiding behind um, that uh, and, and not saying anything. And, and, and because of their own fear to kind of admit that they made a mistake. And I think, honestly, a lot of people are afraid to make mistakes and that's 
a massive thing that holds all of us back in all, right. in all kinds of different ways, especially as creative people. And humiliation and, is one of those things. Yeah, well, and along with humiliated. the humiliation, yeah, is the embarrassment, the blame, the shame, all that shit does not feel good. But being in a position to be able to make a mistake and then forgive yourself for making a mistake one especially you know if it's a small thing even if it's small thing honestly i give myself a really fucking hard time even for small mistakes and i you know i'm sure that comes from some weird shit from when i was growing up and i've been trying to learn how to take it easy on myself because the reality is mistakes only stay mistakes if you don't learn from them well see, if you don't take it as a lesson to learn and grow from it stays a mistake and that becomes a problem that comes back to bite you in the ass. But if you can learn from it, then you can grow from it and hopefully progress from that position forward. And it's no longer a mistake. It was just a lesson. Well, here's the, th here's what I've been trying to do is I've been, I've been, I, I've been trying to, this has been a whole series of this stuff where I'm finding out the exact moment <laughs> in time. Mm. And I've been pretty successful with a lot of them and then identifying them, labeling them, and then trying to deal with them you know, and, and go get past it and not just, you know, hit your head with against the fucking wall and hope that, you know, it goes away. Like right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, seeing these situations and trying to address them without, you know, just making the same mistake over and over again. So yeah. that's, that's the game plan. So let's, I guess we, that was a good one. Let's read some that more. One. Let's read some more. <laughs> yeah, that's one. Now, don't worry. What, yeah, we got a little bit longer and we hit yeah. some more ads. No worries. Um, our friend, Came on, came on knives. Come on, Ben. Come on, our boy Ben. Come on was just on your podcast. He was the artisans of steel. Ben, come on rules. Uh, here's an example of self sabotage procrastination. I know it's mm -hmm. a thing. I know it's. Uh, I know I do it uh, with inquiries from customers discussing custom knives. I know it's a problem, and I know it doesn't shine a bright light on me as a knife maker and a small business. Yet I can't change it. Uh, as actual work is still what I prioritize. My conclusion is I'm probably stupid, but I've come to terms with that. He always <laughs> says that, the fucking guy. Ben is like the not the, he's like one of the smartest dudes around. He loves to do that bullshit. I'm stupid. <laughs> Procrastination's heard, a fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, who is it? I think it was Gabor Mate. Uh, I heard him in an interview one time refer to procrastination as a, a, a coping mechanism for anxiety and stress. Um, that might be one explanation for it. It's one I could relate to when he, when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, I could see how that makes sense for my life and the various situations I've done that in. But I have been, uh, <laughs> a master of procrastination for most of my life. And it, it's, it's a weird, I don't know what the fuck my problem is, but I agree. I do think it is a kind of a form of self-sabotage. Because, again, you're just kind of putting something off that you'd rather not be doing. And, again, whether that's because of fear, anxiety, or stress around it, um, um, yeah, it's still, nonetheless, you're doing it to yourself. I, I, uh, procrastination, it sucks. I remember the first thing, one of the big things in college that kind of helped me with procrastination is when I smoked cigarettes. And I was working with all these sculptors. We would give it, we would give it... At, in the art barn over in the art department, we would give each other deadlines so or like goals so we could have a stop for a cigarette and hang out. Mm. So it was like these, it were these like, I can't get this, I can't have a cigarette until I get this shit done. It was a terrible, terrible, <laughs> I mean, a terrible, you know, reward. But it, it really started, 
it really started me down this concept of having a reward for getting things done. Like now, my wife and I, when we get home, there's so much shit. You know, that's the thing that people don't realize. Hillary calls it the third shift. You know, especially when oh, we had sure. a young child, when you get home, it's the third shift or second shift. She calls it the second shift. When you come home, it's the second shift. Yep. You got to take the dogs out and you got to clean the house and you got to make dinner and then you got to do the dishes and then you got to do the bills. And then you got to, that's the fucking not relaxing at all. So what we try <laughs> to do is we try to get it all done so we can kind of enjoy the rest of the evening, whether, you know, tonight we're going to watch the Knicks. Uh, we were, we just finished the first season of fucking awesome show the morning show you see this oh, morning yeah. show right? we just we just watched the ago. first season fucking very awesome good. so this is our reward system we get all this shit done i got to get the bills done i got to you know we're helping our neighbor with a couple things i was getting all this stuff and it was the only way to to get through the procrastination on the weekends yeah. you got to do the groceries for the week i try to figure out when's the best time to go and let me get it done now so i can enjoy the rest of the week I have to do the these mental fucking hurdles in order to make sure I'm not procrastinating because sure. like I tell you I tell you what's helped me is having employees has helped me because right. I don't want people sitting around you know I don't want people <laughs> no it's true I mean no, the no, clocks, it's a good point when yeah. I walk on in, your dime and fuck. I try to and I also try to I I make this shop as soon as I open the door yeah the fucking clock the the meter's running. You know, and, and it's like I want to get maximum amount done. And the other thing is, is I want to make more money for my family. Like every year, I, I want to do better so we can do more things. I want to be able to provide more. I want to be able to give more, uh, make more money, so I can let my wife have a little bit more. You know, relaxed time. I want to be able to take her on trips. I want to be able to do things. Yeah. So I'm motivated by. You know what? The real thing is, is. I've seen what life of zero motivation looks like. And I just went to go visit my mother uh, a couple days ago. Mm. And I had to meet with the, with the, the head of the social workers and the, her, her PT people and her doctors. And it was just like a, it was a uh, overall checkup on my mother. My mother's in a place now. She's got, yeah, she doesn't recognize me. She's some of her brother. She, when I see her, she's oh, wow. very thin. She's she's you know it's it she cannot live on her own by a mile she this is the first time i've seen her sit up in a wheelchair in two years and this woman is like but she's and i love her and we have a we have this new relationship where it's very sweet there's no bullshit i mean obviously she thinks i'm her fucking brother so maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's why it's so much better maybe she liked her brother more than me which is fine i'm just joking obviously but i've seen <laughs> i've seen 40 years i've seen how mental illness and depression has and no motivation and this thought that there's this mythical thought that everything's happily ever after like we right. watch these movies where at the end everything works out but the <sighs> the fact remains it's not true yeah so i've seen what zero motivation in terms of your your work ethic or in terms of your health in terms of your relationships i've seen what that looks like and i don't want anything to do with it so I'm doing everything I can to, 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 to gain as much as possible. Because you know the funny thing is that we talk about money a lot. Money comes and goes, but your fucking time, you're burning your time. You're yeah. burning your time like a, it's like a fucking... You're, I'm fucking... I remember when I was 17, now I'm 50. It's crazy. Right. And I refuse to... I refuse to... 
uh, burn time. I remember I'm not burn. I'm not burning time. I could do it. It's the most precious commodity any of us have, and none of us know. That's the crazy Bro, part. None of us know when 40. it's up. You're about to turn forty. <laughs> I know. Trust me, you're gonna be fifty in a second. Gonna, <laughs> I and it's gonna it. and it's and you're gonna be like, whoa! And you, you, it's it's madness, and you gotta fucking do whatever it takes. <laughs> you gotta do whatever it takes to fix your shit. Yeah. I'm talking about everybody because it's like, it's fucking time is the is the is the cruelest thing of all time. <laughs> oh. But you know what the cru- what's not the cruelest thing of all time? Pendasa USA. That shit is fucking nice. Yeah. Go to go to Texas Ferry Supply, ladies and gentlemen. Get yourself some of that red line. You know what I'm saying? You can scratch that itch with the red line, the, the Rhino Wet from Pendasa USA. You go to TexasFerrySupply.com, put in the promo code Knife Talk Ten for ten percent off all your supplies. Just scratch that itch. Whatever you need over at Texas Ferry Supply, but definitely get that Endos USA Rhino Wet Knife Talk 10 percent off. Nice. Woo! You want to keep going? We got more. Yeah, let's do or is a this couple more. Or too depressing. I'm. I'm. I think it's fine. I mean, okay. or maybe we could take a break and answer some questions, and maybe come back to a couple more. I don't know I what mean, else you got. We got some. I mean, it's. I think it's a. We, look, we answer questions every week. This is a. Well, let's just keep going and see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Jeff Jackson says Jeff mentioned self sabotage as a result of the fear of the unconscious fear of success, but I think I have a very conscious fear of failure, and I'm super aware of it. I put my heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears in something I make, and I love it. And I still see all the flaws, and it sucks to imagine someone else thinking that it's just not good enough. And that's where my mind always takes me every damn time. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jackson. Showing that real, real, showing that real feeling. Yeah. I mean, for me, that I, I feel like that harkens or back to kind of what I was just saying about that fear of, yeah, not being good enough. And, and it, which feeds into my uh, another thing I, I got going on. Let's just talk about all the weird mental shit I got going on. Yeah, let's I, do it. I, just like Craig const- isn't here. Don't worry. You listen, <laughs> Craig had to shit himself in the middle of the last episode. You can say whatever the fuck you want. He left. I ran all the ads while he was shitting himself. Dude, I vamped. I fucking vamped like a champ. I had, he said, I got it. We're going to edit this out. I'm like, fuck no, we're not editing that. I ran all the ads. He came back and he pooped the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Ah, dude, you can say whatever the hell you want. Uh, yeah, it's just like my constant. Uh, I'm. I feel like I'm constantly seeking approval, and I don't right. know if that has to do with like, again, like childhood shit. Like, and it's honestly like a lot of people shit. I feel like. I mean, I think more and more people are more accepting of like uh, psychoanalysis or or psych, uh, like therapy and talk therapy and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of it does come back to like what was going on when you're growing up because that kind of sets a lot of things up for as you become an adult and how you interact with the world around you. And I, I, I am constantly seeking approval from people. I know people I don't know, whoever will give me a pat on the head. I'll take it. Um, and I think honestly, I think that's a big success or driver for the success for social media because I, I don't think I'm the only one. Right. (laughs) I think it'd be silly to think I was the only one, but a lot of people do get that sense of accomplishment and sense of self and achievement through the approval of others 
oddly enough, strangers who realistically don't fucking know us <laughs> and right. know nothing about us in our lives. And so how much you know, value should there really be in those opinions? Probably very little, but we still give it stock. And, and it's, again, it comes back to, yeah, I, th- I think it just comes back to my childhood. And like, I didn't have a, a, like a terrible childhood, but y- you know, I come from, you know, my dad was an abusive piece of shit asshole growing up and my mom left him. And then her second husband, he wasn't abusive, but he wasn't really a great guy and so she left him and so then i was just constantly like looking for a dad wherever i could right and so that that continues on as i'm even as i'm almost 40 fucking years old and really i gotta i gotta find it deep down inside of myself to give myself the pat on the back and tell myself i think uh in therapy they called it self-parenting um but to to be good within yourself and tell yourself, you know, you're you're actually doing a good job. You take care of your family. You're paying bills. You're doing great work. You're helping people. Like what else? Honestly, like you're pay, you're pay, you you got food on the table, a roof over your head. Like what the fuck else? Like at the <laughs> could you could you need to do more to be a decent person in the world, right? Um, but still, I have a ten, I I find all kinds of fucking ways to be really hard on myself. And mm. I think. Uh, you know, well, that's obviously, do. you know, that, that sense of abandonment is for pretty classic. The, the, sure. the good thing is, if I, can, if I could say one thing, is yeah, you're, you're not alone in this feeling yeah. this way. And I think that that's got to be thought, helpful to anybody who, th- who says, you know, we listen, when we talk on this podcast, people say, I feel the same way. Yeah. The best thing is, and don't take this anybody the wrong way, but that's, you're not special. <laughs> you know, everyone, every, there's a lot of people right. who feel the same way yeah. is that there's, you know, a lot of generations were, were unprepared to be parents and mm-hmm. these little micro things that they didn't realize affected their kids affect their kids, you right. know, and, and you just don't want to go down that. And, and the only thing you can do is make sure that shit doesn't happen again. Right. You know, I have father issues. hundred percent. My father my father didn't love me and and I'm completely uh, finally comfortable with saying that and mm. we had a good relationship to a certain degree it was very uh how should I say he it was very uh superficial and he didn't want me to be better than him and he didn't want me to know more than him and he ultimately abandoned me and my sisters uh from from for his wife who hated us and it's like I was constantly found needing, you know, approval from these older men who are my mentors, like Charlie Palmer and, and sure. my old my old mentor Lee Tribe, my old, my art teacher Barry Gunderson, and I can name off. And it got to the point where I was like seeking approval from these father figures, and then I got to the point where I was just like, my I think it was after my dad died. I was just like. Fuck them. I, I'm a better father than my father was. Yeah. And I'm a better person than I'm a better... And it was, it was like this... I thought about all this bullshit, and then I thought to myself, I, I identified it, I labeled it, and I was just like, I'm a way better father than my father was. Right. And it's just like, it almost evaporated. Yeah. So now I don't, I don't have those father figure issues. Now it's just like, I've had these kind of like father figure type i think i oh this i gotta say this my 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 father-in-law is amazing I, my, my my wife's father uh, stepfather is unbelievable the guy's unbelievable he's so supportive and i remember not too long after my dad died 
he and I were driving the car and he knew my dad and he's just like, you, you know, you're, you didn't really, your dad was not a good dude and stuff like that. And he says, I just want you to know if you ever need a, you know, a dad, you can call me dad. And I turn to him, I'm driving the car. I'm like, no disrespect. But I'm, I'm fucking tired of being parroted. Respectfully, I said I've had it. I can't take another one, motherfucker. I, God bless you. I love you. Appreciate you. But I ain't calling anyone dad no more. That's over, baby. That is over. We had a good laugh. I was just like, I ain't getting parroted anymore. I'm done, baby. So, uh, but, but it, you know, that's the best part about life is as you grow older, you if you can identify these things, they kind of like vanish like you kind of like accept it all right i don't need that shit anymore um done i'm done with it i'm done with it so uh my big thing when i was a kid was i was always told the people older than you know better than you and I was all, no, it's true. My dad, I know, say, no, I I heard the you know same what I'm thing. talking about. Yes, to the I know point exactly where, what you're talking about. To the point where a guy could be two years older than me, and he would say something, and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, he's a little bit more experienced than I am, and he'd say something stupid, and I'd be like, Are you sure that's what it is? And he's like, Yep, that's what it is. And I'm just like, Well, really? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, This fucking guy is an idiot. I'm like, How am I what right. listening to this moron just because I think he's two years older than me? Yeah. <sighs> Uh, let's just let's just finish this bitch off and then we'll go to a couple actually we got a couple funny questions but before right. we get into that i want to thank my friends our friends lawrence lake at maritimeknifesupply.com it's the one shop stop for it's the one stop shop for knife makers steel belts abrasives handle materials tools forts kilns much more their distributor damasteel they're the distributor broadband everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They have that gator piss. They got that gator piss, ladies and gentlemen. Go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Get yourself some of that rhino wet. Get the rhino stick. Get anything you need for knife making. He's up in Canada. Sends to the United States just as fast as anybody else. And uh, he's also the distributor of Combat Abrasive. So definitely check out Maritime Knife Supply. And if you are in Canada and you think, ah, I really wish we had this, Lauren's got it. Every time I mention we mention something in this podcast, he'll send me a link saying, I got that bitch. I got oh, nice. that bitch. He doesn't say I got that bitch, but you got that bitch. <laughs> Don't worry about that. All right. Let's just let's just let's clear this clear the decks on on self sabotage. Right, Justin Stinson, our friend yeah. Running Man Forge. Hey, oh man, ain't ain't gonna get much more. That guy is a f- serious contender right there. I'm gonna be Justin working St- with him in April. I'm going down to hang out. He's the fucking man. He's a good dude. Yeah, real smart, real fun. I don't know if he's fun. I'm sure he's fun. You'll you'll yeah. you'll be he's able to tell if he's fun. Good dude. He says, "Hey guys, I want to riff on this self sabotage discussion you've had." I view it as a lack of drive. When I was working a 10-hour day job and I thought about it, I thought about what I was going to do in the shop when I got home. It didn't matter how tired I was. There was nothing to do but to do it. I felt a sense of peace after I spent a day's work, I spent a, my day's potential. I show up every day. The universe rewards hard work. Jeff, your father is exactly like mine too. How interesting. If you go to your shop and with a game plan and you have these very specific deadlines it makes your life so much easier sure i swear to god if i showed up to the shop without any ideas i would even one day 
it would be problematic, yeah. real problematic. Yeah, I've uh, when I'm doing a good job of being productive, it's usually when I'm taking the time, either the first thing I do when I get into the shop, or the last thing I do before I leave the shop the night before is I make a list of the next steps. What are the next steps? And so that the next day I don't have to fucking think about it. I just go in, I see the list, it tells me what to do, and I fucking get to work. If if this was a business, if you had, let's just say Knife Talk is is just pencil sharpener business. All we did was sharpen pencils. <laughs> okay. Right? Let's just say that's it. That is that is the extent of this podcast. I mean, we could sharpen podcast. knives, but you want to sharpen no, 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 pencils? No, no, no. This is knife, <laughs> this is pencil sharpener talk, okay? <laughs> okay. Our job <laughs> is only to sharpen pencils. Right. If you knew that you were going into work and what you were going to do was you were going to sharpen 200 pencils, you'd sharpen the 200 pencils. You've got to make things a little bit more easy to understand in regards to what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that if you kind of look at the macro and not worry, because I, I know if you, you blindfold, you get me drunk, and then the next morning you send me the shop, <laughs> I might make a hammer. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. But if I like ha- know that, all right, we have to hit this deadline and we got to make sure, I got to make sure David's all squared away and I got to make sure I'm ahead of him and I got to make sure that we're ready for, we have a newsletter I got to have it on Thursdays and we got to get this done. It just, organization makes my life so much easier. Yeah. And if I wasn't organized, I could never do this. I couldn't do it. Yeah, disorganization, it. it's honestly, it's its an obstacle. I mean, talk about self-sabotage. Disorganization right. is an obstacle you are putting in your way by not taking the time. And I, I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm talking even to myself as well. You're, it's an obstacle you're putting in your own way of being productive. And I think it comes back to kind of like... At least for me, what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode is, you know, very far. And f- I, I out of all the knife makers I've I've known and met, very few are so hardwired, internally driven to just fucking destroy the day and just fucking get everything out of it. A lot of them are a lot more like me, um, who are easily distracted or ADHD or whatever the fuck you want to refer to and just like have a difficulty, have difficulty with staying organized and therefore difficulty with productivity and stuff like that. And yeah, taking that small step to whatever it is, you know, I guess making that list that short, even if it's one or two things doing it either again at the top of the day or at the at the very end of your day just before you go home so you know the next day when you come in you already know what you got to do or the first thing you do when you sit down i think it's the best thing to, it's better to do at the end of the day uh because that way all the wherever you're at progression wise is still pretty fresh versus having to stop and sit and think about it um but that just removing that obstacle of even having to think about it um really just helps in a big way you remember when you came to my shop years ago and I had these clipboards. Yeah. And yeah. I had a, I, we basically, we created, Tony and I created a, uh, before we had stuff on stock and it was all, yeah, um, it was all customs. We did a ticket board like you would for a, for a kitchen. We had right. a rail and we had tickets and every piece of paper was the checklist of what needs to be done. And then when the emails are to be sent. And I have to fucking check everything off. And I had to do it. And it got to the point where I lived and died by this ticket rail. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, 
all right, I get I got to get this done, and then I have to send them again an email, and then there'd be a, mo- a thing, you know, you check, you check, you check, and you know exactly where you are, and then you'd send this progress. And it in the beginning, it was like it was like the training wheels of what needs yeah. to get done, but it really helped me. And it, he, it was his idea, and I think that Tony was a little nervous. Nervous is just like, how can I make Jeff more efficient? And it was it was great at the time. We've abandoned it now because I mean. You know, I I got you know I can figure I know what we need to do it all the time. So and we're now we're not even I have no I mean I'm I'm out of customs. I mean I've I, every custom we have now is done. It's done, and now we're just loading the website up. But that whole concept of whatever it takes to keep you organized yeah. was huge. It's yeah. huge to kind of like set this tone of what's to be expected. Well, and to be. And I remember seeing that that ticket rail and, and the clipboards and everything. And and the reality is for to get yourself organized, uh, to do either like you had like the, t- the ticket board or even writing down like an order of operations so you could kind of check off where you're at along the way, like you're saying, or even to take the time to do uh, a to-do list for the next day at the shop. Those are very small, simple things. And I think the difficulty is creating making those things habitual right and there's a great book called atomic habits and so atomic you know something you if you think about it in like the the atomic bomb like big changes big explosions whatever you know atomic habits uh is the idea of making big changes by breaking them down into as small of a thing as possible down to the atomic level, the very, like to a single atom. So breaking down those steps into very small, very achievable incremental things. And by doing those things, and um, I, I think the book tries to address that people are, are trying to make too drastic of a change too quickly. And by just doing smaller, try start even smaller. When you think something, uh, 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 a step is, small enough try to see if you can break it down even farther to break it down even smaller to make it a thing that is just a little bit smaller and easier to accomplish i feel like i keep saying smaller smaller <laughs> too much but anyways it's a really great book the way he describes it and explains it, it makes perfect fucking sense and and really it's it's and it comes back and and because our executive functions those are the parts of our brain that are like we're that is where our self-motivation and our self-drive comes from. They have, it's like a fuel tank and they're actually surprisingly small. And because they're so small, you cannot rely on that internal drive. You, and what's better is to create strong habits and through, so through that establishing those more productive and functional habits for yourself you don't have to rely on that self-drive as much it's just part of what you do when you get into the shop or when you end the day you have these things you do they're simple they're small but you do them so you you're reducing the friction you're reducing the obstacles in your way to accomplish what you need to get done i was listening to gary v was on a sports radio show uh not too long ago i'd never heard him before and he was talking about the jets he is a He's a fanatical football guy. He, you know, he yeah. wants to buy. He wants to buy the New York Jets. I'm well aware. He, he, he's crazy for the Jets. Yes. And one thing he was talking to Boomer Sice, and it was really interesting. He was saying, "My job is to. I want businesses. My businesses to be frictionless." And mm. I, w- I really took that well. I was just like, ah, maybe I made too many jokes about Gary Vee. Maybe he's got some good <laughs> points. And I was really interested in that whole idea of the frictionless. And I was even, you know, I, I thought, I think, you know, how do you make things frictionless? Um, 
I it's what when I was uh, I remember when I was in college and I became an art major and I announced to my father who was a painter a successful painter and whatever doesn't mean art major and he basically told me I was making a huge mistake. There was a a lot of people who didn't believe in me, and when I got out of college, and I was I immediately in college, I was uh, I was interning for other artists, and I was basically doing a lot of welding for artists and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it was great. And when I finally got my sh- my first shop with my uh, college roommate Jamie, we had it in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. This is 1996, and what I didn't want was I didn't want people who didn't believe in me, my parents or, you know, other people. I didn't want them to think that I was fooling around or I was like a art, you know, I'm putting the air quotes up. I'm an art, I'm an artist, I'm living as an artist. I wanted them to realize that I was serious. So I would go to the shop at eight in the morning and I leave at five o'clock at night and I would be, I would be working on sculpture or working on commissions. I was doing a lot of side hustles and stuff like that. And I wanted to make sure that people were taking me seriously. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I did not want to be like another, you know, flighty, floaty artist who, who's completely full of shit. And it was something that I really took to heart at 21. Like, I want to be taken seriously because I believe that I can do this. Other people don't. And I think that that was the beginning stages of me being organized because I just didn't want to not be taken seriously. It's, it's, it's humiliating when, when people just think that you're just like some fruitcake who's, you know, getting money from your parents which wasn't the case at all. I mean, I was abandoned once I got out of, what I, from high school odd, you know. So, <laughs> it, it, serious, I was picking up yeah. dog shit on the street for money, dude. That was my biggest job. That was like, that was how I was picking up dog shit on the streets of New York and I getting paid. So, it's like, I want to be, you want to be taken seriously. And part of it, that's what you have to do. We have to do whatever it takes in order for people to take you seriously. Oh, man. We got one more okay if you're if you're well let's finish this bitch out man finish this bitch out before we get to that i want to just say one thing our friends at broadback ironworks are at the texas uh texas they're at the texas blade show and they have an at they have they have a deal going on so if you don't know now you know broadback ironworks the makers the 2x72 grinder it's for knife made by knife makers for knife makers metal workers woodworkers you're removing material this is the machine for you uh, normally they have, if you go to broadbackironworks.com, put in the promo code knife talk 10, you get 10% off. Now listen to me, listen to me, ladies and germs. They're running a sale from, uh, February, from, from February 23rd to March 3rd. Okay. And then the, uh, for, oh, I'm ruining this already. I'm going to read what, what Brent sent me. <laughs> They're running a sale from February 3rd to, uh, March 3rd. With Knife Talk being good up until the 23rd, and then returning Knife Talk 10 from up until the 23rd, and then after the 3rd. Okay? Does that make sense? So yes. you can use Knife Talk 10 from the 23rd of February, and then after March 3rd. And then the, but the deal's going to be here's the special deal, and the deal between the 23rd and 3rd. Don't start giving me trouble, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just reading what they told me. The deal is as follows. The max package gets a free 8-inch contact wheel. The premium package gets a free rotary platen. The mega deal gets a free rotary disc and disc sanding attachment. And both kits painted and assembled are eligible. uh, And attachments will be 10% off. 
Attachments will be 10% off. So definitely check out what's going on at Broadback Ironworks. Go say hi to them at the Blade Show Texas. And um, so after the 3rd, after March 3rd, definitely go back to Knife Talk 10. Get yourself that 10% off. But check out this special deals over at BroadbeckIronworks.com. Yeah, so basically once this episode airs, you got a week to make it happen. Yeah, fucking hurry up. The fuck's the matter with you, self-sabotagers? Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. You're self-sabotaging, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be one of them. We're going in. Now, last last self-sabotage for this week is from Improbable Iron. Improbable Iron. Okay. Self-sabotage, not taking the time, once knives are done, to set up a good photo and post it on Instagram. By the time the knife is done, I just want to get out. I want it out the door. I know that better Mm. photos and more posts will lead to more orders. I just need to stop being lazy and get the bloody camera out. So... Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the hardest part about it all is we are. I you know I say this is an art and stuff like that, but there's this like weird gray area between artists, craftsmen, and business people, and it's like it's you're, some of the stuff that you suck at, you still kind of need to do. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's the hardest part. Is like you might suck at this, but that doesn't mean you still ha- you, just, you know to be successful, you still have to do this stuff you suck at. Yeah. It's just the way it is. I mean, it's life isn't easy. <laughs> fucking life's life's really fucking cruel, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd be curious if they're custom orders or what. But yeah, honestly, like I've got my photo process down to where it takes about ten minutes. And really that's that's not that much time to dedicate to getting I mean, even if you just got one photo and our phone our our smartphones are capable of taking plenty quality good plenty what i don't know how to yeah talk. yeah I good got enough you. photos plenty quality good <laughs> plenty quality good awesome plenty photos. quality good <laughs> plenty quality <laughs> uh and uh yeah i mean so they can take great photos and, and, and even if you just get one like you can do it you'd make it a handpick what the fuck ever yeah. you don't have to have the perfect set. and i think I often my problem is like, oh shit, the weather's bad. I can't take a photo. What am I going to do? I still need to take pictures. And I have let knives get out the door without taking pictures of them. And I regret it. And, um, so even if you're just doing a hand pick or lay it across the anvil or, or whatever, have, if you got a spot in the shop where the to- floor isn't completely disgusting and you set the knife on a couple little like chunks of, whatever like wine cork or something to keep it off the ground take a picture something you can share later um because i think it is really crucial that people are documenting their work one so that potential customers can see what you've done in the past and what uh uh, what you can potentially be making for them uh but it's also good to see like like the artist progression like jeff talks about you can see the actual progression of how people uh, change their style as small or big as they can be. And uh, I actually just got some knives back uh, from a customer to have them, uh, his knives kind of revamped and, and cleaned up and stuff, spa day action. And uh, yeah, it's looking at these knives. They're not rough, but holy You've shit. changed. Yeah, well, and it's just I've gotten way better at grinding blades thinner, and these blades have got some thick asses on them, and um, so I'm going to be slimming them down, and they're going to be great cutters, but it's just part of it, right? It's just part of it. 
it's a snapshot of your of a, of a time in your life. Yeah, and the, and it just it, it exists, and yeah. it's just the way it is. Um, it's funny because uh, Allison gets really mad at me because sometimes we we do custom orders. She says, "I need you to take a picture of it because we we're going to put it in their file." Because if we get custom orders from mm. we get custom orders and they have like a we'll have them on our you know whatever their their profile that we have you know our filing cabinet or you know whatever and then what'll happen is if somebody want what normally will happen is somebody will want to add onto their set and we need pictures of what they've had so we can get a better idea you. as opposed to she says I'm tired of you saying send me a picture of the knife so I know what to do she's like we're not doing that anymore so like if I do any customs she will harangue me <laughs> in the in the nicest possible way to make sure I've taken a picture to send it to her so we can right. kind of like update this person so when their email comes up we know exactly we're trying to take customer service to a new level and that has been part of the success and it's it's we answer emails quickly we are very responsive and but it's now we're just trying to like just get better and yeah. I'm taking pictures, I got to slow down and then make sure I don't want to just shoot it out the door because I'm, you know, hot to get it out the door. I have to like take a picture and send it to Allison. Otherwise, I'm in trouble, big trouble. Yeah. Well, that was fun. So, guys, if you are listening and you want to send in your thoughts on on self sabotage, send them our way. Go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram for all your Knife Talk uh, questions, feedback your answers, your red flags, any of that stuff, send it to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Uh, you want to hit some questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Before we get into that, I just want to say one thing about our friends at Damasteel. I tell you, they are so great. I love the people at Damasteel, but I love their steel even more. If you go to damasteel.se, you can see all their, their beautiful pattern-welded stainless Damascus steels. Stuff is dynamite stuff. Uh, the patterns are amazing. Uh, it's they're very easy to work with. The heat treating is easy. The etching is easy. The finishing is easy. They have a lot of uh, lots of uh, stuff comes annealed. You can if you're in stock removal, this is the stuff for you. If you want to forge it, be my guest. But definitely go to knife talk. Uh, go to damasteel.se. Put in the promo code knife talk ten for ten percent off uh, all your damasteel. And you can go to damasteel lab. No, oh, my bad. Damasteel AB on Instagram <laughs> and then get involved with them. And we'll be back with the DCI Invitational. I've heard Craig's Craig's talking. There's some new shit going on. So we're definitely down with oh, the Damasteel people. And uh, we'll definitely do that again. But uh, by all means, if you can do AEBL, Damasteel's for you. No problem. Don't worry, I got your back. For sure. Um, yeah. So why don't you read the first question? All right. Go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram and send in your questions. And then I usually do a call to action on a Tuesday or so for new questions. And then we bank them all and then we'll, we'll get, we got you. All right. Well, our first question is from our homie Cuddy Knives. Uh, that's our homie Joyce. She says, question, what are your thoughts on diversifying what you make versus staying in one lane? Pros and cons. For the spirit of the podcast, we can talk beyond business slash sales into creativity, inspiration, technique. So the, I guess kind of the pros and cons of staying in your lane versus branching out um, and how it might affect business and creativity. What are your thoughts? 
the staying in your lane is I understand. You know, it's funny because you know, you one person says stay in your lane, the other person says, "Well, uh, let me live my life." <laughs> what, what, you know, it's just like it is. There's not a right or a wrong. You know, it's it's hilarious. You know, it's like. You know, you'll hear a basketball player say something and they have a platform and they say, I, they'll say something and they'll think, well, I have this great platform to be able to, you know, because I'm famous, I should say something. And it's a great opportunity. And the next guy's going to say, shut up and dribble. So it's like, <laughs> you're, it's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Right. Um, my, you know, if I were to boil them both, I don't like to, you know, live black and white. I, I'm in the gray area. I think that staying in your lane is good in terms of, growing until you grow out of that lane i think that mm. it's very important to get your shit down like start with one th I, when we started doing knives i wasn't doing a million different variations right out of the box i stayed with one the first knife was uh like a elk hunting knife for a elk hunting friend of mine and I made like 10 or 15 of them. And then all of a sudden I started to make changes and I started to, they started to evolve. And it went from this kind of blockier knife to what's now my bull elk knife. And these subtle, these subtle evolutions are what I like. So I started to really feel strongly about staying in my lane to get the process down and then use those processes to add on to things. So I'm a, I'm a, of a fan of kind of, Learn what you're doing, get it done, figure it out the best way to do it. But then I'm also of the like, I'm also of the mind of like, fuck you, don't tell me what I can't do. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. If I want, I'll do whatever the fuck I want, ladies and gentlemen. I don't give. Though you can't tell me shit. So I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking both. I'm both worlds, equally as frenetic as I am right now. It sounds like you're quoting. Uh, was it Rage Against the Machine? Bulls on Parade. Oh, dude! Fuck you! Kid, I won't do what you tell me. My my kid is in a band. She's in a, ba a college band. She playing oh, bass. She, she's playing bass in a college band. It's fucking awesome. And she, when she was learning bass during COVID, she her teacher got a rage against the machine, and she fucking oh, loved that song. Fuck you! Don't tell do what I told you. I said that's yeah. a good ass song. I said just don't fucking say it to me. <laughs> <laughs> just don't say it. You sing it all you want. Just don't say it to me. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of the bassist. I don't even know who the bassist is, but I love the bass line in Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine is probably one of my top, at least top 10, maybe top five. Wow. Favorite bands. Very good. Yeah, um, fuck you, don't do it. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> fuck you, don't tell me what to do. That's a better, you know, they should do a, they should do like a, like a the sequel to fuck you, don't do it. Fuck you, don't tell me what to do. Who the fuck is you? <laughs> I would say, um, when it comes to staying in your lane uh, versus kind of mixing it up, I think, I, yeah, I think it's a good idea to play in both realms. I think a lot of makers become known for a style. I like, I almost feel like I'm pigeonholed in a way that people only expect, like my European style chef's knife with the integral gar or integral bolster and these handles and whatnot but just like that one style and even just like the most like this this uh slicer i just finished it's got me actually a little bit nervous and then the knife before that i was nervous about because while they are damascus and they're integral they're not what's usually seen from me and so i'm uh, there's always that fear that it's not going to move as easily and honestly that last one didn't and i think it's because i kind of stepped outside of what is recognized or 
at least to my audience, recognized as my work. And because it wasn't my usual stuff, it didn't really garner kind of the the desire for it. Uh, I do think that is it, it is important to have uh, kind of what a lot of makers will refer to as their bread and butter pieces, which are like, you don't have to think about them. You've been doing them forever. Same kind of, maybe it's like either a set of styles of knives, uh, um or whatever but just Hits. like they're the go-to they fucking pay the bills they sell and then outside of that then if you especially if you're more like if you're a business more business minded it makes sense to just kind of stick with that kind of tried and true and marry uh and and then every once in a while maybe make some very small variations and and play with experiments ex and experiment with slight changes but nothing too dramatic where for me, like my bread and butter is what I'm are these integral chefs knives, but then I, I have other stuff I want to do. And so creatively, like to feed that creative drive, I mean, some of the creativity comes out through the Damascus. And so I'm okay kind of doing the same thing over and over because I'm always kind of playing with different Damascus patterns and then integrating that into my knife work but i have other styles of knives that i want to learn how to make really for my own creative interest or exploration but not necessarily things i want to sell or become known for i'll always be known for i think my culinary knives my integral culinary knives with the damascus and all that but i think it's it's important to strike a balance especially if you want to do this as a business um to have kind of like that bread and butter that you're that's kind of like brainless for you to produce you have no issue with selling it um and it pays the bills and then that creates space uh as long as you're successful with that first part to to explore some of that creativity aspect of of your process yeah well, i think it's also once you come up, of course it makes sense once you come up with your own style that's recognizable as your style then you can kind of your style can go on to other things. And I think that that's like if you're a, a clothing designer, it's not like you only make socks. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean it's just like <laughs> you have a style and then you can kind of take that style and kind of you know, that's the the tint of your glasses that you see the world through. For sure. I feel like with knife making once you especially or any type of making, even making sculpture, making sculpture is actually probably the better example of once you create your style then your 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 style is recognizable as your work like when you walk yeah. into a museum let's say you're you you love specific sculptors you don't have to look at the sign to know who made that sculpture like i can tell you when i can tell you when somebody made a brand if there's a brancusi in that space or a keith herring or the 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 artists that i love i don't need to see the placard to see who made it you know when you see it sure and i think that that's the ultimate goal of being able to kind of create a style that is unmistakably yours and i and once you figure that out then doesn't really you just paint the world with your style and then yeah. dumb, oh, that sounded so lame i swear to paint the world with your style fuck you jeff <laughs> fuck I, you. I think you're right though and i think when it comes to fuck products you. that's typically referred to or i think it's also referred to as that style is referred to as brand kind of in a way right like on brand is a particular like for whatever your style and honestly though like that kind of takes some time to do 
Um, and I think everything takes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think if, like if a new maker and I think, uh, I don't know, it's, it's tricky because I think as a new maker, it does make sense to kind of jump around and experiment with different stuff and then kind of round out, round that out and develop your own unique style. And then that's what you do and explore for a while. And maybe there are small evolutions or iterations like we've talked about and Jeff's talked about as, as a creative person over time. And as you're developing those, that's when people will start to find you. And, and that's when you become like that style or that approach or whatever, it, it becomes kind of your, that's part of your brand. And that's what people, that's part of what people are buying. You know, they're, they're part, they're buying something partly for kind of like the social currency that comes along with it to be able to say, this is a such and such style thing is right. a Rolex. This is a Porsche, you know, instead of just being like, this is a really nice watch versus this is a really nice car. Like, how does that compare to other things until you have that brand attached to it? Then it's like, oh, wow, that that's that it gives it that kind of like more depth of value, I guess, or perceived value. But it does take time to develop that kind of that reputation and that brand for sure. And I think the interesting part is, especially on, I'm not talking about Rolexes and Porsches, we're talking about, you know, us as small makers and small businesses. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to like yeah. go down an avenue just to explore it and it either works or it doesn't work. Like I made a pile of knives that just didn't resonate. And it's like, I accept it and I'm moving onward and it's, and I'm not mad about it. It was ultimately a good experience. So there's opportunities for growth within things that don't work too. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're, sometimes we get a little bit too worried that like every step has to be the correct step. Whereas it's the, the bigger picture as opposed to the day to day stuff. Yeah. yeah, so. yeah. No, I don't think it has to be super calculated. I no, but it is. But it's nice when it your is. Fancy, then you you know you might as well try to explore that a little bit. But people, I mean, but it is you know like it, when it comes to art, if you learn how to paint and you do a beautiful painting, and I'm just like miraculous, this fucking painting is unbelievable. You got to keep doing this painting, and all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, I'm making sculpture tomorrow. I'll make my first sculpture tomorrow. I'm just, I'm gonna, part of me is just be like, <sighs> you're jumping around, dude. <laughs> you fucking, I want you to develop this more. I want you to mm. develop this more. And, you know, you today you're doing a painting of an apple. Tomorrow you're doing a sculpture of a, you know, duck. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, but it's like when you look at artists, I mean, obviously you have to experiment and stuff like that. But at the same time, you want to see, you kind of are hoping for going down and going down a progression that makes a degree of sense. I don't know. Maybe I said two things at the side of my mouth. Let's hit this last question. Okay. But and then we'll fuck around a little bit. But before we do, I want to thank our friends at Knife Print Guys. If you are getting involved with CAD, computer aided, whatever, we <laughs> design this week. Doodling. Doodling. <laughs> computer aided. <laughs> I don't want to. I have so many bad things I want to say, but I'm not going to do that. Go to knifeprint.com. You don't have to download anything. You don't have to software. You don't have to get software downloaded. You don't have to get anything. You don't have to be intimidated by CAD. If you want to get into knife making and get involved with water jet cutting, knifeprint.com is for you. No downloading software licensing agreement. It's a great entry point and a simple and easy design of a way to design knives with software designed for knife makers so you there this is the way to do it and you can 
you can press the button and look around and make it 3D and you spin it around, easy corrections. Then you press print and then they'll ha- they're connected with another water jet company and then you can have it sent to you 100%. So go check out what's going on over at knifeprint.com. A lot of our friends are using it to get involved with that next step. You want to get to that next step. And our friend uh, Dennis Tyrell, Tyrell, Nef- uh, Tyrell Knifeworks has did a YouTube channel on how to use knife print the best. Shout out to Dennis uh, and Jared, Triple T Knife, Triple T, the Triple T Knife podcast is, they're hitting their stride. Guys are, guys are at it. So I'm with them and I'm with knifeprint.com. And this is the last and most important question oh we God. have. This is the last and most important question <laughs> of the whole fucking day. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from Cody Myers. Here's a question for the show. <laughs> If an old, strange friend you haven't talked to in 20 years messages you and tells you to start making and mar- marketing, quote, poop knives, proceeds to give you a link to a Walmart poop knife, and it reminds you of a time your buddy in high school took a large poop and needed to grab a knife from his kitchen to make it go down, do you take offense at this? Or do you do research this remarkable opportunity and stand out in the knife making community as a truly <laughs> unique <laughs> and prolific and poo and poo hero prolific artist? So, do you know what a poop knife is? I uh, I sadly can, just looked it up. It's all right. So it's gross. If you, you when Craig left the podcast <laughs> last week. <laughs> He started he a new fucking, company. He started a new company. <laughs> I mean, do you? What do you do in a situation, guy, guy? Guy, the biggest problem I see isn't the knife. It's the fact that what are you eating to get to the point where you need to create a business because <laughs> you need to fucking cut your logs. This the is log a splitter. diet issue. That's what you this call is, it, the log splitter. You call it the log splitter, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. Golf clap for the log splitter. I, I swear to God, what the fuck are you eating? You need to fucking <laughs> cut a turd in half. You gotta, you, it's like all mortar and bananas. You're fucking shitting <laughs> oh out pylons. God. What the fuck is going on with this guy? That's some yeah, banana but, in the tailpipe action. <laughs> you, you got a banana in the tailpipe action. <laughs> I think that the last thing we need in this world as custom knife makers is to make an uh, an adorned knife that goes by the toilet for chopping up poops. Do you have anything to add? You put it right next to the toilet scrubber and the plunger, right? I, You know what? I didn't want to look it up because I thought, this can't be good for me. <laughs> having this having in this search engine cannot be good for me. <laughs> and I what thought to myself, <laughs> what could it possibly look like? Would it be a full tag knife or a hit tag? It looks like a a plastic spatula yeah. that you just st- put next to your toilet cleaning devices, and you just kind of mush it up. I guess <laughs> you chop it up and shove it down. It's just gross. That's gross. It's gross. So, I mean, but it sounds like I. <laughs> is, is there a, a, a hole in the market that needs to be filled? <laughs> well, how, what do you? What, here's the funny hole in the market, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing it again. He didn't even mean to do it. Here's the question: Is what is somebody willing to pay 
the custom <laughs> that's the problem i mean if somebody if you go out your way cody and say i'm gonna go into the the poop knife business you've got to realize only a wacko would pay i mean all right you're taking a piece of st- it's got to be stainless steel you're not gonna be using fucking carbon steel no. and then you're gonna what it i mean it's just it's too expensive to make unless you it's just too expensive to do don't do it well, it's 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 not in it. So, like culinary knives, it's a it's an endearing thing. You know, you're you're using the tool right. to prep prepare food. You're sharing yeah. this meal and these moments with people you care about. This is a private thing that <laughs> yeah. you're doing by yourself. You're not spend. You're probably spending as little possible time doing right. this. So, whatever you can get to get the job done is probably what you're going to use. And so, I don't know. Yeah, maybe there isn't a hole in the market to fill. There's no nobody wants to. No, I mean, what is somebody willing to? Like I said, I mean, would you pay five dollars for a fucking poop knife? I don't even think I'd. I would. I would be human because then, then you have it in your bathroom, and then one of your neighbors or your, your friends come over, and they're like, "What the fuck is that?" By the plunger, <laughs> it looks like a it looks like a fucking sword. You got like a spatula, yeah, a toilet sword, yeah, hanging I mean, right like, next to the plunger. <laughs> I mean, I think it's better. I think this guy should be worried about his diet. I think you know, pooping out pylons is not for him. I think he's got to like, you know, higher fiber, less bananas and mortar, and uh, <laughs> that's the end of that. I mean, you can't. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, is right. Well, I think I think we've done enough. I think we'll do a little after show. Yeah, and we've done enough, guys. If you want to participate with this podcast, no more poop knife story. We don't need it. However, if you have a story where you have actually seen a poop knife or used a poop knife, send it to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram only. We want to hear your red flags. Where we'll get to those next week. We want to hear your questions, your feedback. We should have Craig back next week, and maybe we'll all three of us will be here. Let's hope for that. Yeah. Uh, um, and then uh, your questions, send in your self-sabotage stories, and we will see you next week. Marekka, you're the man. Thanks, Jeff. This is the after show. Wow, that was intense. That was fun. Yeah, that was good. It was, a, it was a nice way to end the episode, too, with some lighthearted poop talk. Yeah, lighthearted. <laughs> what do you got going on this week? Anything oh, fun? What's going on? Well, I mean, it's Thursday, right? Uh, right? I'll probably get back in the shop tomorrow and get some more work done on that blade. Um, the kid is out of school this week, so uh, after I get done with recording the podcast, normally we would go to swim practice this afternoon. But nice. he's sick. He's sickish. He's so congested. Oh, no. It's gross. And he's refusing to blow his fucking nose. Anybody got an answer for that? How do you get your kid to blow their goddamn nose? Um, he's like, my he's, mother used to just shove up. She just put, <laughs> grab my nose with a Kleenex. Say, blow. Yeah. You know that one? Blow. Just blow your nose. Yeah. It uh, doesn't work. Doesn't work. No. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know we'll how to figure it out. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I got to get that that knife done for for or that replica done i think it's gonna be fucking cool though yeah um, i can't wait to see it nobody as far as i'm aware nobody's done a loveless replica or a loveless style knife out of stainless let alone not only stainless damascus but mosaic stainless damascus um 
as far as I'm aware. I'm going to oh. call it the Abomination. <laughs> nice. I <laughs> love that name. That's my favorite. I love names like Bob that. Loveless. I, well, and it makes sense. Like at the time when Bob Loveless was making knives, uh, you know, Damascus didn't have the greatest reputation because honestly, like the skills and, and the knowledge and understanding that we have today was not the same fucking 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so people were making some half-assed kind of shitty slap together Damascus and thinking it's really cool when really it's, it's, a, it's a liability. It's a hazard. And, and uh, half, half of the stuff they were putting like black enamel on to kind of cover up the shitty forge weld and stuff like that. Um, so anyways, uh, so he despised, he despised Damascus. He thought it was I the know. biggest crock of shit. And so, obviously, he's got, or what, I don't know if he worked with Sandvik exactly, but he's got, there's that steel that's named after him, the RW, RW30, is that it? RWL, I think it's Robert William Loveless. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what Finkel uses. Yeah, R, RWL30, and um, yeah, and he made so many knives out of that stuff, and so... So I'm calling it the abomination because not only is it made from Damascus, but it's stainless Damascus. Because my thought process is like, yeah, okay, Damascus has come a long way since since he was making knives, and if he was still around, and somebody was he was working with somebody like Chihuly style, like he was guiding, but somebody else was actually doing the physical work, then what you know, what would be something he would use? And if, of course, it would be stainless Damascus, and because he's he's the man. Or he's he's highly repu- with of high repute. It would probably be mosaic stainless Damascus instead of just like a simple random pattern or something like that. You could call it love love more, love love more. Yeah, or hate less. <laughs> Loveless is a bomb. Yeah, I don't know. Right now, I've just been referring to it as the abomination. <laughs> I like abomination. I don't always think that's a guy. I, usually, I like calling things abomination all the time. <laughs> so are you doing anything fun this weekend? or uh, Not that knife making is not fun, but like a, a non-knife making Yeah, we did our fun thing last weekend. We went up to the family cabin up on Anderson Island, and the kid's been out of school this week. Um, and so, yeah, I think this week's just kind of getting back on schedule really is going to be the plan for this weekend. So when he goes back to school, um, on Monday, he's back on his normal schedule. Cause we have a tendency to, to fall off of our normal schedule yeah. <laughs> during vacations and breaks. That's tough. Yeah. I yeah. got, uh, my yeah, go high school, fr- my high school friends, uh, who I go to Knicks games with. Now the Knicks are doing so well, he just bought a pile of tickets. So I'm going to oh. go see the Knicks on Tuesday. We have two more sets of show. He's like, I mean, he's like, he's a finance guy. So it's like, he gets free ones and calls me up. I missed, I fucking want to kill, I want to punch myself in the face because I missed this amazing game where it was just incredible. They just, I, I had free tickets in my hands. I just missed the phone call and I couldn't make it down. But, yeah, we're going to go see him play the Pelicans, and then we got tickets to see them Pelicans. play the... Yeah, that's the New Orleans uh, basketball team. What? Yeah, New Orleans. I mean, it's a new, newer team, but the New Orleans... I was going to say, got, I've never heard of them. Yeah, they're relatively new in the last few years, but they're, that's the New Orleans basketball team. I didn't know. And uh, so we're going to see them play the Knicks, and then we got tickets to see the Knicks play the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks. I'm psyched about it. I cannot wait for that. But, 
The Hawks with uh, Trey Young has uh, has eliminated the Knicks a few times in uh, playoff contention, so it'll be fun to see them play. Okay. And then uh, yeah, we got that, and we're just trying to run around. I'm trying to I'm trying to relax a little bit more on the weekend. So my wife and I, one of the things that we're doing now that our daughter's in college is we're walking a lot. Like I walk the dogs okay. in the morning, and then we work out and do our thing. Hillary works out and does her, her thing. And we we've been going on these long like, four mile walks in between walking the dogs on Sundays. Oh wow! Just long. I mean, it ended up we end up clocking on the weekends. We clock end up clocking like. 15 miles of walking it's just holy shit yeah, so, so what are you guys like walking somewhere having lunch and then walking we'll back? walk down the riverfront there's a riverfront trail and the riverfront trail will walk the you know our our town and then i'll go to the next town and then one of my sculptures is on that uh is on the trail so we oh, walk nice. past the sculpture and that's kind of neat and, is that and, the one over at finn and brew yeah yeah. Well, I got three over there. I got okay. three over there. Two of them I've been told I have to repaint, which is uh, part of me doesn't want to walk past there anymore. I don't get told I got to repaint <laughs> there it. There he is. Yeah. Well, I get the, one of the guys, hey, when are you going to repaint this? You didn't paint this for the spring? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Can't hear you. Well, keep walking. I'm walking. Walking here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're doing a lot of walking and uh, just, you know. It's weird not having a, our daughter at home, so we're we're sure. doing we're trying to be as uh, we're not really drinking anymore. I mean, Hillary and I are just not we're really kind of focusing on our health, and I'm sleeping so much better and not drinking at all. Yeah. So I'm like we're going to parties, and I'm I'll have a glass of wine just to be social, but then I'm not drinking at all, and I I, I just cannot handle the hangovers. I cannot handle yeah. them. cannot handle them at all, and I can't I don't sleep well through the night. I snore if I've drank. So now I'm like. I don't drink anything. It's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, I've been. I, I've I've read a lot of self help books, and one of the things, a lot of them have to do with like uh, <laughs> self discipline and 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 motivation, all that kind of stuff, and uh, and uh, and often most of them talk about just like the basic shit you should do, uh, which is like your diet and exercise. Right. But sleep is a big part of that, and people don't realize, and it's not very well known that. If you drink, or if you're going to bed um, with a buzz, or whether it's booze or weed or whatever, the the first like four to five hours of sleep are like your reparative sleep that help really kind of set you up for the next day. And if you're going to bed with a buzz, it's gonna kind of fuck that up, and you get te- you don't get good sleep. You're, you're that reparative sleep is interrupted or, or just completely totally messed up and so the next day we often not uh, not only from you know the, all the shit that we maybe had drank the night before feeling crappy but our sleep was terrible too and so it's no wonder we feel like shit the next day and it's hard to be productive when you feel like that and as it's, you do as you get older the fucking it, it gets and worse and worse holy a mile. shit like yeah. one ipa and i'm just like oh, i feel Feel that fucking beer. I, yeah. I'm not drinking at all. I, I went to. I'm, I had a. I had a birthday party. My wife and I had. Were, somebody threw us a, a birthday, oh, right. a joint birthday party. Yeah. And I was just like, I told Hillary, I'm like, I, I, I'm not, I number one, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to my own birthday party. I was just like, wouldn't it be nice just to kind of just stay home Ghost and do on nothing? your own party. Oh, dude, I was just like, I was, I, I was, I, I had to make myself be polite. Number one, and yeah. number two, I was just like, you know what, I'm not going to drink. And I have some friends who are in recovery too, and sure. I go. I, I I'm not in recovery, I, but I respect it. And you know, yeah. frankly, I, I'm doing. Be- I mean, I'm gonna have a drink again in the summertime. We're gonna have them 
fucking Aperol spritzes yeah. and all that shit. But at the same time, swimming in those. if I cho- if I choose not to have a drink, I'm just not going to have a drink. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, as I've gotten older, yeah, I remember like if I didn't, if I decided I didn't want to have a drink when I was younger, my buddies would be like, what the fuck's yeah, your problem? You're, you're, pussy. you're, yeah, pussy. you're pussy. Yeah. You know, but now I, I have plenty of friends who've had to quit drinking either because it was, you know, bad for right. their life or it was, yeah, whatever. They had their reasons, and so it's, if I go but, out and I, I like I often I go out and play pool usually at least once a week, and nobody questions why I'm not having a drink. They don't. They they're really honestly. That's the least interesting part about seeing me is whether or not I'm having a fucking drink in the summertime. Yeah. An ice cold beer is very very refreshing, but it's like I just can't do it. I mean, I just I can do it, but I don't want to do. It. Like I'll, I'll choose a good yeah. night's sleep. And not feeling like shit in the morning. Yeah. Then being, I mean, hungover and waking up at 11 o'clock <laughs> and feeling like garbage <laughs> the rest years of the old. day. Those fucking days are like, I mean, yeah. I, 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 those days are over. I don't want that. No. I'll, I'd rather wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and, you know, be fine than fucking 11 o'clock and feel like I want to die. Yeah. Yeah. A good night's sleep is definitely taking precedence or, or priority over you know, that last extra beer or two or three or whatever, hanging Jeez. out and socializing with people. I'm turning sure. malaria. Oh, have you seen the new episodes of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? I never watched it in the first place. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the, the, I mean, I've this, seen, I've seen th- like, clips from it. I don't even know if I've seen one full episode, really. This is the last season. Okay. And the first two episodes were okay. The third episode unbelievably funny and yeah. it was crazy because some of the things that happened to him just recently happened to me like my neighbor wanting us to split cutting a tree down i was unbelievable was, hillary's just like that's cost. crazy that just happened to us i'm like i know and having like talk to my neighbor about like splitting the cost of cutting a tree down I'm like what is the, where's the trunk is it on the on the fence line it was on my it was it was my tree but he wanted to cut it down and it was like well, that's on him. <laughs> no, but I got to be a good neighbor, and it was oh just like I, you guys I just are selling was, that fucking place, anyways, aren't you? I mean, not right now, but at the same time, it was this <laughs> total like, uh, who cares? Yeah. Listen, I gotta go. I gotta go, right. Mareko. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Pleasure was mine. And hopefully, hopefully, our boy Craig is back next week. He's in Wales doing his thing. Yeah, we're gonna have with a the three five fives, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, that was fun. That was fun. Yep. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Is that what we say? What, what did we Ta-ta say? Ta-ta for now. Ta-ta for now, Toodaloo. bitches. Toodaloo, bitch. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.